You're listening to True Story, a night of true tales told to friends. All the stories on our show are submitted by people like you, throwing true story parties around the world. This episode is somewhat of a season finale for True Story. For the next few months, we won't be putting out new episodes. But don't worry, we'll be back. We've got a lot in store, so stay tuned. In the meantime, though, you'll still be able to reach us on Facebook and Twitter and at our website, truestorytime.org. For now, a story. This one comes to us from Los Angeles at a recent event where the theme was Failed Expectations. I'm a little nervous. I wasn't sure if I wanted to tell this story, and I didn't really bring any notes, so I'm just holding this phone and this beer because they're two things that make me feel safe. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'd been sick for a very long time. Moving on. Um, And starting in high school, I had the sort of gaseous physical problems that I felt like were only for middle-aged men. And when I finally told my mother about it, she said, well, you should go get, like, a colonoscopy. I'm like, that's something that, like, old guys do in movies. That's not, that's, I'm just going to, I'm going to ignore it and see if it goes away, which, of course, it didn't. A few years later, I was still having a lot of pain and trouble, so I went to the hospital, and it was totally embarrassing because I'm obviously the only young female in the gastroenterology unit, and sort of even the nurses and everyone there were sort of commenting on how young I was and, like, not sure why I was there. So we go through this, frankly, uncomfortable process of having a colonoscopy, and then I get a phone call a few days later saying, oh, there's actually some things that are not very good, so you should come back and we could do some more tests. And I promptly ignored that phone call. And I ignored a lot of the other phone calls. And then I ignored the letters. And the thing about letters when you get biopsy test results is it's not like jury duty or a bill. It just doesn't go away if you don't open the envelope. I think it wasn't until maybe five, six, seven years later I was in a relationship, and I was finally going to school, and I was in this really great place in my life, and I was having breakfast with my boyfriend that I'd already been with for like two or three years. My stomach started hurting, and he was like, oh, you have a tummy ache, and then I completely sort of broke down and told him that, you know, look, I think I'm sick, and I think this is going to be a big deal, and I know you didn't sign on for this, but I think I should take care of it. And he was like, yeah, you, you should do that. So I finally sort of went through this labyrinthine process of going through, you know, Los Angeles public county system. You know, every doctor I talked to basically said, yeah, this is something that needs to happen now. Um, I guess I should share a little bit about my diagnosis, which is also something I don't talk about because it's kind of embarrassing. What I had was apparently it was called juvenile polyposis syndrome, which is a sort of tendency to develop colon polyps at a very young age. And I asked him, well, what does that mean? And he said, well, it means like you're going to, you basically have cancer. I was like, so the disease is that I'm going to get cancer, but it's not called cancer. Fine. The diagnosis was that I needed a series of very sort of invasive surgeries that may or may not require me to wear a colostomy bag for the rest of my life. And I immediately decided that it was better to die then, than to do that. And I was like, I'm sorry if that sounds shallow, but I'll just sort of keep coasting until like I pass out somewhere and die because I'm not doing that. 
And he said, that's, and he was this very stern old Swedish man. And he's like, no, this is totally understandable. You are, you are a young woman in the world. It's not, it's totally normal reaction. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> and the terrible thing about it is they weren't going to know whether or not I needed to wear this bag of shit on my stomach until actually in the surgery, if things went wrong. But I think the, I mean, the lucky thing is that the wheels were sort of already in motion. So I go in, and I, uh, I was already in school, so I came home to sort of stay with my parents for the summer and have this surgery. I was being very stoic and very distant and kind of trying to take it in stride. And right before I went into the, right before I was about to go under, I just, you know, I kind of lost it, and I started crying. And then my Swedish doctor came in, and he's like, what's wrong with you? And I, he's like, are you nervous? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm really nervous. And he just said, well, I'm not nervous. That's all that matters. And I was like, oh. Like, yeah, I mean, rock and roll. Okay, let's go. So uh, apparently, and I remember, I remember very specifically my boyfriend and my parents were fasting with me because I had to fast for like 20 hours before the surgery. I also found out that as soon as I went into the operating room, they ran off and had like burgers and fries and beer. <laughs> And I remember the, the, next, the only next thing I remember is, is waking up and uh, my mom and my dad and my boyfriend were there and I obviously was probably on all kinds of drugs. And I felt the need to like say something to let them know that I was okay. So I just said, you may touch the hem of my garment. Which is... <laughs> and they were like, she's fine. But... Um, and the next morning, I woke up more, and, and there was a colostomy bag attached to my stomach. And I was kind of even too drugged up to realize this. And I remember they sent um, a social worker to sort of come and, like, ask me how I felt about this transition, which I felt like they sent them too early because I was so out of it. I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. I'm here. It's fine. <laughs> just, like, got this bag. It's cool. <laughs> So I had this new appendage and this whole new way of living, and I had a boyfriend, and, I, and then I went back to school, and my boyfriend didn't come with me. So I was completely alone in a new city. Up until that point, I had done pretty good because I also didn't tell anybody. And I think this is also the first time I'm talking about it. This is like three years ago now. I didn't want to share. And it was funny because at that point, there was a few other like happens, people that you connect with on Facebook from your past. They kind of... They just make their big announcements and they want to share their traumas and they want to be comforted by this online community. And I didn't want any of that. It was like a totally my business and my secret. And I also felt like that was kind of the wrong thing to do. Oh, I did something else which you're not supposed to do, which was that I lost a lot of weight and I was psyched on it. I know it's not cool. You're not supposed to be like happy about that. But I was sort of like, the, my consolation prize was that I lost a lot of weight and I felt like very conventionally attractive. So when I went back to school in this new city, in the new place where I didn't know anybody, I just, um, I just went there. I sort of completely changed my style and I grew up my hair very long and I wore tons of makeup and whatever amount of like sexy outfits or things that I could get away with, I I did. And I made a bunch of new friends, and none of them knew what was going on. And I think I, think I needed that. Like, you know, your, your self-preservation is not anybody else's business. And, like, you don't have to teach anybody else a lesson. Sorry. Son of a bitch. <laughs>
Thankfully, what happened uh, a couple months into my new life, I sort of had a check-in with my doctor, and they took some x-rays. I think when I finally got that phone call, doctor said, oh, you know what, things look good, let's come back, let's undo this, and then you can sort of have like a more normal life. I completely burst into tears in the middle of a Pete's coffee, and I wanted to tell everybody what, like suddenly I wanted to tell everybody, but it would take a little bit too long, so I just got coffee and I went out. By the end of that year, after just six months of living with this appendage, um, I had a second surgery that kind of reversed that operation, so now I just have a bunch of scars on my stomach. You know, after things went back to normal, I just went back to normal. But I, th I think that's okay. I think I just had to basically perform like everything was fine, and I think that gave me enough distance from it to where I didn't feel like I had to um, deal with it. And maybe that's not the right thing, but I also feel there's this expectation that going through trauma should change you in some way for the better, and it didn't at all. And part of me feels like I should have changed in some fundamental way or become a better person, but you don't. <laughs> so that's my story. You've been listening to True Story. Our theme music comes from Daniel Steinbach's album, The Blade. You can continue to get your True Story fix by checking out all our episodes on our website, truestorytime.org, or on iTunes. Happy listening, and enjoy the summer. Everyone, I hardly know you, but when something comes and grabs a hold, take the hands that open up a life that's led. Is something gold? I've been alone. I've been so.